Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to yet another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about the 1988 film Rain Man is Munster. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Regent. How are we all doing, everybody? Doing good. So this is a movie I had never even heard of, which is surprising because apparently it's very critically acclaimed until you guys brought it up that we should talk about it. So I'm going to do the scores real quick, and then I want to ask you guys about your history with the film, if you have one. So real quick, it has an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, has an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes, and has a 65 on Metacritic. So with that, Regent, what is your history with this film, if you have one? To be fair, I have little to no history with the film, but that's also because it literally came out the year I was born. So basically, the only time I remember seeing it is when it was on DVD or VHS to rent from like Blockbuster, and they had the cover of the movie with Nicolas Cage walking across a intersection. I think that's one of the two covers for the for the film, for the box art. Honestly, I never watched it. I have heard of it. I've heard the acclaim behind it, quality of film and the acting behind it per Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. I just never really watched it until we brought it up. And I remembered like, oh, crap, I've never seen this movie. So I decided to to actually watch it for the first time. So real quick, you mentioned Nicolas Cage on the cover. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. I'm thinking of another 90s movie, City of Angels, because that was a whole work conversation. We were talking, me and two of my guys I work with are big film people. And we go back and forth talking about different movies that should have been popular or should have been well known. It just never got the respect that it deserved. And I slurred up. My bad. All good. I was just confused. But Munster, what's your history with the film? So before I pick this specific film, I do need to point out my history with Tom Cruise. He's actually one of my favorite actors. Now, to point out, though, something important, he's a great example of where I like the actor, but I might not agree with their personal lives. And I only say that because, especially growing up, Tom Cruise from time to time had his own controversies, which I won't dive into. But from a cinematic standpoint, he has always gone out his way to make sure to give a great on-screen performance and i really appreciate that because i would say i've watched easily about 75 to 80 percent of his films i'm still trying to get through some of the rest because he's had some before i was born and then a few small time ones and usually i have to say if for my history with tom cruise if he's in it it's probably going to be a good film and where this comes in specifically is that it was one of those films i knew of saw commercials saw posters and i just didn't go back in time to watch it. I can't necessarily say similar to Regent because I have gone back and watched movies before I was born. I would say that the topic that I saw from the trailers didn't necessarily draw me in. I knew something about his brother having some kind of either a disability or something special about him. I don't typically watch a lot of films like that. And I think that's why it didn't draw me. But with this podcast, it really came to mind of, okay, well, I like Tom Cruise and most of his films are typically action-packed, especially in the past couple decades. So I didn't really want to choose a Tom Cruise film where it's so much action and the story might be lacking. I wanted to choose something that's highly acclaimed, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to force myself to finally watch this film. And that's actually my history with the film. 
Well, real quick. So on the subject of Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, I am a big fan of their individual work. I've just never seen the movie of this with them together. I have seen a good chunk of Tom Cruise's movies, and there are some good ones, and there are some genuinely bad ones, aka Valkyrie, but that is a different discussion. I shall disagree, sir. I like that movie. No, 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 no. (laughs) But in terms of Tom Cruise, he is somebody that I have respect for when it comes to stunt work. So I don't know how much you know about this, but when it comes to his action films, he's very adamant about doing the work himself through and through. It's If I had to consolidate to a statement, he is basically our version of Jackie Chan. Like he is our Western side of Jackie Chan. When it comes to stunt work, committing it through, he will do the work. He'll take on the injuries, take on the role very seriously to make it an entertain film because he's passionate about the projects he's a part of and he did all his stunts for rain man even though there was really no stunt work yeah i'm gonna disagree with you there regent i like the film valkyrie it was actually the first movie i ever saw tom cruise in and i think that's a good one to start with top gun I have still yet to see that thank you biz for showing me one particular scene from that film but the viable scene we're gonna move on from that <laughs> Anywho, and then Edge of Tomorrow are the two most notable films of his catalog that I have watched. Oh man, you're missing out. Mission Impossible, Cocktail. There's a lot of great work in the younger years of Tom Cruise. That's darn sure. Well, this one should at least give you an idea of some of his most respected performances. This easily should be in top five movies he's performed in, at least from across the board, from reviews, award-winning accolades, and so forth. Yeah, I hated his performance in the first half of the film just due to the topics it was covering and how he was acting. But once I got to the latter half of the film, I was like, okay, this is actually like a really rock solid performance. I'm enjoying this. Even though I don't like his character, I enjoy his performance. Well, can we talk about that currently? Because I feel that is very important to the film. Oh, absolutely. So the reason why is because he was just being no way to sugarcoat. He was being an asshole to Raymond. He was using what I would consider to be a slur towards mentally ill people, especially people who are on the spectrum. And that being the R word, I'm not going to repeat it on this podcast or ever. But yeah, it just made me very uncomfortable for the first half of the film. And then once he kind of stopped being an asshole towards Raymond and actually started being more caring and more understanding and wanting to actually spend time with his brother versus trying to just use him for money, I cared a lot more about the film. And it completely swayed my opinion on the film as a whole once it got to that point. Because from the first half alone, I was going to absolutely decimate the film and i still will decimate the first half of this film but the second half i truly respect this is going to probably be a heavy hit to you first of all that is the purpose of the film part two is this where it's kind of the reason why we started this whole podcast is a different generation and different upbringings i'm 33 and i can tell you with a movie like this being made in the 80s this is what life was back in the 80s and 90s hell even probably early 2000s we did use those terms it wasn't as deemed so bad it was actually medically used i will say it did start transitioning to be negative but that would be in the past decade that it really ramped up and i feel like it was very realistic of what happened when you have a guy like tom cruise his character coming from his kind of rough upbringing he made himself he was still part of that kind of like that broski i I can't think of certain terms but like that college dude who who still has that college mindset frat boy yeah, frat boy. He had, he had the frat boy idea, and then he he has the the weird thing like 
his brother comes up and then his brother's a special needs, but then he sees his opportunity where he can get some money. I feel like that is how someone would act that way. I would hate for you to hold that against the film when showing that this is literally how someone would be. And it made it also realistic how he would grow, which I think that's part of why the movie is phenomenal. It's both Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise's character, mostly Tom Cruise's growth, but also how Dustin Hoffman acted so well in that type of character. You almost can't get the second half without the first half making sense to get to that point. And I would feel sorry that you would hold that against him because that's just how great the performance was. Right. And I recognize that and I enjoy the film as a whole because of it. But it doesn't really get rid of the fact that the first half made me uncomfortable. And yes, that was the intention. That was the performance there. And I don't know. I guess I don't quite enjoy being super uncomfortable in a film, but I can respect the art and craft that goes into it and how it made me feel the way it exactly wanted me to feel. Yeah, it's kind of tough because if the movie didn't start that way, do you feel the movie would have been as good as an overall? Because I can understand. It's kind of like if you get on a roller coaster where you might not feel the most comfortable at the beginning, but at the end, you're like, oh, wow, this was a great experience. It's kind of like that is where once you have the full experience, would you, and I know typically we kind of answer this near the end, but I think we could kind of pose this early is, do you feel if you changed any of the first half that you still would have the same experience no not in the slightest and while i was thinking about the movie and how i was going to review it and how it made me feel as a whole it reminded me of other films where similar plots happen like love simon or django unchained where they use words that are just very hurtful to a specific demographic of people and while yes those words make me very uncomfortable i can still enjoy the film because of the way that they depict that word or those words because it wasn't depicted in a good light in this film. It was him using that word to be derogatory towards Raymond. It was shown as something bad and his girlfriend even left him over it. Like you're you're being an asshole. You're using him. You're being mean to him. So I appreciate the fact that they kept it in that light and that for me saved the film to where that was what he had to grow from and not that, oh, I just need to be nice to him but I can still use these hurtful words. He actually just completely cut that word out completely, which was nice. It, it worked for me in the end. Yeah. Before we pass it to the region, I would say the part I appreciate what they did was it was never promoted as in like it was a good thing that he did. They never made it seem like it was okay for him to say that or he was highlighted in a good light. And I appreciate that. It's because similar in the kind of thing where if he's going to be using those terms, he needs to face the consequences as well. And which it did happen. The people around him had an issue with him. He didn't have good relationships around him. So I do appreciate that. Like they didn't reward him for being that kind of way he had to change in order to get his reward and we could argue what the reward is when we get to that point but before we do get to that point regent how did you feel about the growth that tom cruise tom cruise's character went through throughout this film and how he treated raymond the use of the word and such so when it comes to his characters, Charlie and development, I appreciate that there was actually growth and learning from his mistakes and realizing that being an inconsiderate, narcissistic, borderline, I would say actually manipulative sibling, well, now found out sibling to get his money from the will that he was cut off from his dad. I am not a fan of the use of the R word as someone who's grown up and had people, it was used growing up as, I wouldn't say casual, but it was used as an off-putting comment to someone acting a fool, but as someone who's grown up and actually 
has gone to school for psychology and particularly abnormal psychology and learning of what this actually represents and knowing that it's not an appropriate word to use. So I definitely was not a fan of the context that was being used in the movie per statement. I do believe Charlie did get some redeeming qualities back when he actually started to invest in Raymond. As someone who's grown up and watched a lot of movies and TV shows, there has definitely been a lot of films where the underlining is a sibling inherits something or gets something lucky and then the other sibling gets jealous or upset and tries to worm their way into their sibling's grace to get other a means to an end or some beneficiary out of something that was not bestowed upon them per a will or some type of inheritance. So I've seen that in several TV shows and movies. It felt a minor bit like a trope, but in the movie I like that they actually tried to keep it humane without being over-exacerbated like some movies do when it comes to medical and neurological disorders and permanent disorders. I do think that the whole chasing his brother and trying to fix a relationship to make it a healthy one by the end of the movie was good, but I do think it should have came at the behest of being two brothers not the inclusion of his girlfriend and saying the stop being a dick he's your brother like look out for him and take care of him and like build that relationship that shouldn't have been the catalyst but they had to use they had to use the actress in the movie as a driving point for tom cruise to get his act together quite frankly so i'm glad that at least it happened for him in the film instead of being a prick the entire two hours yeah and that's where for me i think the writing was really excellent is that okay let's think realistically if you were an only child if i remember correctly he, he had the knowledge he was the only child correct Yes. Okay. So you got the only child come from his own type of rough upbringing, you know, trying to get his dad's approval and sort of stuff like that. And then he's kind of around a lot of wealth and he's going to fight and work his way up there. And then he finds out some issue going on with the will. He comes back, still has, let's be honest, his daddy issues. And then he finds out he has a brother. And then you look at the age of the brother, you look at the age of him and you can't expect him to all of a sudden be like, Hey, you know what? I just got a sibling and I'm just going to love the sibling out of nowhere. Even if the sibling didn't have any kind of issues or anything to deal with that, you still can't expect a human being to just snap a finger and just have sibling love. And then with the amount of money that's on the on the table, I almost can't blame him for being that way. I know it's mean, but I also can't blame him from his perspective. He just got dropped all this stuff out of nowhere. The amount of money, he already had anger issues with his pops, and then he has a sibling. And then, which I, I would love to talk about that next or coming up, is the challenges he faced with the communication with his brother. But you also have to add that too. And I think all the elements work well to how he eventually started to change. I don't feel like by the end of the movie, he did a total change, but it was enough that I could believe he would ultimately love his brother. I just feel like it got to a point where this is now capable of, because I believe some things really do just take time to really develop. Right. I don't think I expected his character to do an immediate turnaround and be like, oh, I have a new brother. I love you. And just go from there and a film. I just wasn't expecting that. And I think it was just more shock factor than anything, which threw me off for the first half of the film. But I do like what they did in a conflicting way. I like it, but I don't like it. Is him losing everything, his company, the money, his girlfriend, his friend, wasn't what drove him to be kind and loving towards Raymond or even to understand him. It was the fact that the only reason Raymond got sent away is because he put his brother into a hot bath and that Raymond used to be the one singing to him when he was a kid. It was the love that Raymond had expressed to him in the past that caused Charlie to feel such compassion and desire to want to love back. That's deep right there. 
so that's what I really appreciate that they did that. It wasn't that he changed for a girl or he changed for money or changed to get his company back. He changed because of the care that Raymond showed for him. And I will take my hat off to this film and the writers for that moment. It wasn't some cheap, easy moment for them to fulfill. It was very well thought out. Yeah, especially a film like this has quite a bit of layers. I'm not going to say like it's like 10, 15 layers, but it's got some layers to it because kind of branching off with Tom Cruise to now Raymond, Dustin Hoffman's character, you start looking at he had already his kind of own thing already set up going on. I don't know if I can immediately say he went through so much development and that's not to be mean to the kind of thing he, he had going on, but it was more like finding out how he got to. So it's it's actually ironic now since I'm saying this out loud, it's almost like the reverse. It's finding out his history that led to this. As Tom Cruise is is evolving forward-wise, Dustin Hoffman, you're learning about how he got to his. And that's what makes it a whole nother layer for me is that I ended up enjoying Raymond even more over time, especially for the film. It was like, he from beginning to end, he's been the same guy. And to me, he was a lovable guy despite his challenges. And to learn all that stuff from his history it also made him a very strong character too not just the intelligence part because i know i believe he was autistic if i remember correctly with that you know that has its own set of things you know pros and cons certain things with the mind so in the film they depicted it where he could count cards and all sorts of stuff but also his fun personality they had fun with being with him in the car certain other aspects where tom cruise would have a good laugh even some of the laughter for the film itself it was fun to watch his character but i feel like it was the opposite way where you just learn more about his history Uh, for me as a viewer i enjoyed him even more because of it yeah i would say that's exactly what it is it is you learning about dustin hoffman slash raymond as a character and as tom cruise charlie understands them so do you as an audience and it's a perfect vessel is to have one character be the one who is the one lacking understanding because then they can be a vessel for the audience and it was just a really fun way to do it is to make tom cruise the vessel for learning because let's be honest this is an 80s film this is probably a like you said, an accurate depiction of how some people would have treated a person like Raymond. So it was very good to have Tom Cruise as a vessel for all audiences to kind of understand people with that disability. So that was very well thought out for the audience, but also it worked story-wise because I started to like Raymond as the film went on because I understood him more. So that was just a very, very nice touch. And Dustin Hoffman won, I think, an Oscar for this role. Oh yeah, that boy, he sold that part really well. (laughs) Even though I had seen quite a bit of films with him before this one, I still felt like I was in Tom Cruise's shoes, just like you said. That was actually a great explanation. That's how I felt as I was watching it, where is there a way we can communicate with him? Is there some way we can bottle this up, put him in a box? Like I was thinking with Tom Cruise the whole time, like how do you keep him in one place? Can you leave him outside the phone booth? Can you leave him outside the car for a second? Like as Tom Tom Cruise was figuring this out. I was thinking the same stuff too. And there was even times where I was starting to feel a little bit of Tom Cruise's pain because realistically, even if you want to be very patient for with someone, when you're trying to communicate, miscommunication can cause annoyance. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just something inconvenient for you. That's why it takes special people to work with people with special needs. It's because of a lot of things like patience, understanding, and so forth. And most people don't have that. So when you're trying to communicate something, 
something where you're like, hey, get in the car, get in the car, go pull them by the arm, get in the car. You know, it's like that where it's not you trying to be mean, but after a while you're like, hey, we got to get to going and I don't have hours to try to communicate with you, get in the car, get in the car. We have to go. And I really appreciate it because the film was very relatable in different areas. Yeah, it was. Something tiny I wanted to bring up is the fact, again, Dustin Hoffman won an Academy Award for this, and Leonardo DiCaprio, for his role in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, did not, which I find baffling, because they were, again, two characters with mental disabilities who were portrayed very, very well by two separate actors, and I just find it baffling that Leonardo did not. Uh, It was an ongoing joke about Leonardo always missing out until a few years ago. But with that, Regent, what did you think about the Raymond's character and how you grew to understood him and how Tom Cruise was kind of a vessel for the audience? What were some things that you noticed about it or what were some things that you started to enjoy more about the film as it went on? I mean, the biggest things that I really noticed were the characteristics Raymond, or in this case, Dustin Hoffman, were putting into. I know factually him and Tom Cruise met with multiple people to learn more about autism and savant disorder to basically learn like some functionality of what a person with them goes through now i don't have a full you know clinical background psychological background none of that please this is all just interpretation in the movie i think one of my favorite scenes was that when the two picks fell and dustin could immediately count how many of them fell and hit the floor that is a characteristic within savant that people's skill sets of certain things are heightened over others in above average manner so if it's quick number counting being able to pick up things faster than others musical prowess like as primary examples so seeing something like that was like oh shoot okay now i'm really getting behind this character but dustin hoffman as a whole has always been a fantastic method actor when it comes down to it charlie as the vessel and actually seeing it i felt it was more of a vessel for him to actually understand his brother more and actually understand what having a brother means but also knowing the gifts that raymond had and still finding a way to bond with his older brother and actually have a family compared to his relationship with his father i feel like it was very much the family and maybe in his mind he didn't want but the family that he needed at the end of the day oh that's a good summary right there yeah i like that 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 is an excellent way to put that so what did you guys think of the whole traveling across country bit because that takes up a good majority of the film because raymond is afraid of flying due to the crash rates of some of the airlines so what did you guys think of the journey they went on the different places that they stopped and how that in of itself was most of the growth that both characters kind of went through and i'll go to you first monster Well, we needed this for the movie. I don't think there would be any other way for this movie to have been as long as it was without this part. At any point in history, and I would say a lot less currently because we have so much modes of transportation now and even faster transportation. Back in the 80s, essentially a road trip, you were going to learn a lot about someone and or it was going to test your patience. Being in a vehicle, having to drive as many miles as you do, you can't just listen to music all the time. Or you can. I mean, even Susanna, I believe Tom Cruise's girlfriend or whoever she was, love interest. Even she was like in the car saying the same thing, like, are we going to talk or... (laughs) 
And that just proved being in a car, which I don't know if that was on purpose, but I felt like Tom Cruise, or I should say Charlie, kind of got, you know, it came back to pay off where it was like, oh, wow, I just put her through this. And now I do want to talk and I'm having <laughs> communication problems. Either way, though, I loved it because to me, that was a good way to force them to grow together, to learn about each other and in various ways. When it came to pit stops, when it came to him making phone calls, it really worked for the era because there was no cell phones technically he had a car phone but i don't think it was there was a car phone in the his dad's vehicle the one that they actually drove if i remember correctly the challenges from okay i gotta go to a hotel those things made sense and it was a natural way to force them to talk to communicate and i think they did a really good job creating that i'll go ahead and say after watching the whole movie i never felt like there was a wasted scene i never felt like the movie dragged on it all felt right for me. And I can say a lot of movies were reviewed. I don't necessarily say that all the time. So I really like this part. And like you said, Munsta, it's required for this film. If you take it out, my stars, is it going to be such a short film? Because imagine they fly and then they get to the courtroom and then the end of the film happens. It's like you don't have time for character moments on a two hour flight unless you do the whole movie on the plane, which that's going to be a really boring movie. If the only scenery you have is clouds in the background and a bunch of people and that's about it. Yeah, this is an airplane. You can get away with that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully for scenery's sake alone, they decided to do a cross-country type trip and it worked because Raymond had needs to fulfill his schedule. Otherwise, he would have a panic attack or a mental breakdown. So it worked. So that way, Tom Cruise's character, Charlie, would learn to understand Raymond a bit more. And it just works storyline-wise as well because they had to hit certain markers. They had to go to certain places. They had to do the casino because Charlie's company went underground basically. And yeah, I just don't see the film without it, if that makes any sense. Completely agree. What about you, Regent? I mean, when it comes to the cross-world traveling and having his car that was bestowed to him upon his father, I guess that was kind of the, the generalized principle of the movie when it comes to going from scene to scene and seeing this relationship starting to bud and open and Charlie is now changing his perspective and thought of his older brother and to really embrace him as a family of his own. I mean, the use of the vehicle traveling in all the different places they go to, the one gas station, they actually, it's still, it's not running, but it's like deserted in Oklahoma. There's actually pictures of it in the current day state. It's not the keenest thing. Thing, but hey you know it's historical purpose i appreciate they use a car to do the progressing of the movie versus like oh hey we're going to go from one property to the next property oh we're going to take a break here like it just felt more fluid with using the car as a a to b all the way down to the z for the movie and being able to experience new locations and more things about his brother that he completely forgot about or had to remember in a two-hour movie but to make it feel like he was making up for lost years you know, after hearing Regent say that, it just dawned on me. When you really start looking at the pieces, it's not like there's a lot of pieces to the film. It's like when you have a recipe in the kitchen where it's a lot of simple items, but when you cook it right and you put together it well and you season it right, it comes out phenomenal because it's starting to dawn on me. Like, yeah, they only had certain locations. They were in the car, but the scenes were acted so well and they had such weight behind them that I feel like that's what it was was when it was all put together, the movie came out really well for itself. 
And I would agree. There was one thing I did want to point out is it's a small thing and it's not really confirmed in the movie, but it's touching to me to kind of think about, which is the fact Charlie takes his dad's car that he was absolutely not even allowed to touch, let alone drive on a cross country trip as a way to stick it to him as a way to be like, fuck you, I'm going to drive this car and I'm going to drive it a very long distance. <laughs> but then it leads into a, a sweet touching moment where he can sort of just have have a good time bonding with his brother where he lets his brother Raymond drive the car around the hotel and it just worked that it kind of mirrored his growth as a character to where he was just trying to stick it to his dad the whole time and then it became sort of like a small symbol of his care for his newfound brother. I agree with you. That is one of my favorite scenes in, in the entire movie because it was, once again, it seemed simple from the viewing of it, but there was just so many layers with it with exactly what you're talking about. Now, I will bring up my absolute favorite scene is where they go to eat pancakes at the very end of the film, and he's got the maple syrup already on the table because it has to be on the table first. Takes him to the train station, and the doctor is just like, well, what about your Kmart clothes? And he's like, tell him, Raymond. He's like, Kmart sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. just... Not only was it funny, it was just sweet to see where the relationship kind of ended up. And I just really enjoyed it. it. You got to see the two characters, the one character's growth, and now you have a full understanding of Raymond. And even Raymond has a small amount of growth to where he kind of has his own thoughts that he can kind of express now because of Charlie. He's learned to dance. He's kissed a woman. He has opinion on clothes. And that's a good point. Like even Charlie helped him. Man, like the layers, man. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even think <laughs> about that. It's like, yeah, that's right. Even Charlie helped him out. He got to do stuff that you would have thought of by now. He would have got to do some of this stuff, but it took his brother to do it. Someone who was willing to take Raymond outside of his comfort zone. Now, granted, it's kind of irresponsible to do that to someone who is very reliant on a strict schedule. But all throughout the way, he did make sure to take care of his brother's schedule, as well as show him the different experiences that life has to offer. And I just thought that that was a beautiful moment to have. Now, shortly after that is one of my least favorite scenes of the movie. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to ask each of you, one, what is your favorite scene? in this movie and two what did you think about where they ended up and i'll go to you first regent if I had to recall my my favorite scene, it's a toss between two. It has to be the toothpick scene when he counts all the, the number of toothpicks when they hit the ground. And that's when that realization kicks in of his intelligence. Well, technically, there's three. When they try to conspire about winning money with the car counting and they get removed from property because they got caught on camera. And then the third one is when Charlie's talking to the doctor about bringing Raymond back for a quarter million dollars. And he just defends his brother and goes, no. That was kind of the, I would say, the final transformation for Charlie of like, no, it's my brother. I'm not going to return him back. I took him out of I want my brother. I don't need the money anymore. I want my family. And like that was the moment that I was won over by Charlie as, okay, cool. He's actually now becoming a genuinely good person and a good sibling. That was a good couple scenes. What about you, Munster? I do agree with those scenes. I will give to one is touching again on earlier about the car scene with having Raymond drive. The other reason why I like it is because it felt like one of those family moments. And it is just ingrained in my mind as they were driving around like the fountain. It really felt like a genuinely fun moment that almost even felt like the actors wasn't even acting. They were just having a good time on the set. And that's what I really like about it is it was almost kind of like a potential future for them, especially if Susanna stays in 
in Charlie's life. Like the three of them could be a thing. And I just thought that was really a cute moment. The other one is just one of those moments that I just, I, it just makes me smile to watch it is when Charlie and Raymond is in the casino and they're going down the escalator in their suits. And that shit just makes me laugh just because like, it was just something about them being in those suits where after Charlie's like, hey, I'm gonna sell my watch and whatever other stuff so we can look the part. And they're just standing and they're just going down slow and they're just watching out. And you got Charlie trying to be the cool guy because that's where he's from. And then Raymond's looking kind of confused like, I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm gonna just do whatever. And it was just such a subtle moment, which it actually, I think if I remember correctly, like it takes a while for them to go down there. So it was filmed on purpose. I don't know if maybe the way I received it was why the director did it that way. But I, I love that moment. It's just a fun moment. One of those just moments in life where it just put a smile on my face. And I just love the fact that he's like itchy. He just calls the clothes itchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it was great. I've already mentioned my favorite scene, but I will touch on my now least favorite scene of the film. And I know that this is the most logical end of the film, but that does not mean by any standards that I have to like it, is when Raymond has to go back to the mental institution for his own good. And while, yes, it makes sense that, like, Charlie's lifestyle does not fit taking care of Raymond, nor can he afford to give Raymond the help that he needs in his own apartment slash home nor is it a safe place for him so it does make sense i just hate the fact that after all the fighting all the sweet character moments that they had together that in the end they had to go their separate ways it makes sense i know it just sucks I can agree with you. When I saw it, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, from a writing standpoint, you hit the nail on the head. Like it had to naturally get to this point. But gosh, I didn't want to see it that way. <laughs> and it's part of why I love cinema is because I, I like when a writer and or a director is able to film what they feel like is a complete piece of work. And I feel like that's what they did with this. Even if it's not what I would want, if it's correct, it's correct. And I feel like that's a correct ending for the situation. And the way it makes me feel is like, it just reminds me of sometimes when you watch a movie where the hero dies at the end and it makes sense why this hero, the hero sacrificed themselves. And I'm not saying it's exactly how this is. It's just one of those things where I hate it ended that way, but it makes sense and it works. It's one of those where I can give it, it's a good ending for what it was. I just wish I could have got to see an alternate one, but I can respect. Yeah. It's just that moment when you're like, can I watch the director's cut where this didn't happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see the happy ending, please? Got the extra. Goes into deleted scenes, watches the scene where they stay together. All right, that's that's the canon ending to me now. Yeah, it reminds me of that Will Smith movie. I Am Legend. I Am Legend. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, which has been out for a long time now. But it reminds me of that where it's like, I hate that how it ended, but I respect why. But I do want to hear Regent's opinion, though. I don't want to cut him out. I mean, it was a sad ending. I mean, after all that work and time putting into having your brother back, trying to build a family and watching him go back to the institution and then promising to come back, it comes down to Charlie at the end of the day with everything he's done with his brother and for his family, if he's going to keep that trend going and commit to what he says. So if he's going to visit in two weeks, will it be a continuous two weeks? Will he change it? Will he forget? Like, it leaves it ambiguous. Hopefully with his character development and arc in the movie, you would like to believe that it's going to lead him to actually see 
seek his brother out and continue to have memories and bonding with him and you know look after him and make up for what his father did for institutionalizing him and just showing that hey you have loved ones and family that are here to see you and are here for you versus hey here's our money take care of our brother make sure he doesn't leave like it could i just hope that charlie becomes a better person and commits to seeing him more often than just that one time he said he would and we don't know because they haven't made a sequel and I don't want a sequel. But what I do want is what actually removes points from this film for me. Because it's far from a perfect film. There are two things that knock it down a bit for me. One, the use of the R word. I just think it's a little unnecessary for the amount they used it. But also, it's missing a scene. And just one scene that is approximately a minute long would have fixed this film for me. Is that at the end, after he gets on the train station, goes back to his institution, if you could have a scene that said like two three weeks later or something like that and you see charlie walking in to say hello to raymond and that's how they end the film it just would have made me feel better having that closure that they still have a relationship after all of it oh man that that would have been a good ending i probably wouldn't even been as sad i can give you that just like what regents talk about seeing that he he actually kept to his promise Right. It's just like that extra step. It would have cost them probably not a lot of money to film that. And it would have taken up less than a minute or two of screen time just to be like two, three weeks later. He walks in, says hello. If he got the hug, I would have thought that would have been the happy ending. That would have been the Disney ending I wanted. But he doesn't have to get it in order for the scene to work. Yeah, I know for me, the the words used doesn't bother me. And, you know, you could say either because of my age or upbringing, but because I, I do remember a time during when that word wasn't as offensive. When it comes to what I would improve in the film, I unfortunately have to say, even though I do give it a lot of credit, it's not really a rewatchable film for me. I feel like watching it once, I got everything I needed out of it. It's not like, oh, if I watch it again, I'm going to find all these other things. I'm kind of one and done with it. And for the the sake of this podcast i don't really know exactly like all the details as to why it's not necessarily rewatchable and i don't think that it's like in a bad way but sometimes it's almost like like if you solve a puzzle and it was one of those puzzles where you're like it's kind of hard to redo the puzzle because i'm not going to get anything out of it i know the solution it kind of feels like with this is oh wow this was a great film i'm good to go a rewatch doesn't feel like it'll change anything for me and that's where i have to knock it down is that it just doesn't draw me to rewatch it even though i can give it credit to being a great film yeah, and that's where, to me, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, where you watch it once and the ending kind of shatters you a little bit. And then after that, you're like, okay, I'm good with not watching it again. It's kind of like that for me. It's where there's another film that we covered, American Beauty, where you watch it and you're like, okay, I can see where from a film standpoint, watch it once, appreciate it for what it is, and then you're done. Yeah, I definitely would put it in that same boat. I do feel like this is a better film because there's definitely some things about American Beauty I wish they didn't have. In this film, I will say there was some stuff that wasn't needed. I mean, they like you said, the R word could have been cut back some more. Like, we get it. Sometimes these 80s films like have to go ham <laughs> with certain things. But also, you know, not to be a stickler, but like Susanna was topless for a little bit or like her, her blouse or whatever was opening from time to time. And it was like, that was another thing that wasn't needed. It's like, okay, like we got some boobs on the screen, but it was one of those things where it's like it didn't add to it so it's just another one of those things that i'm glad hollywood has improved where they do cut out things like that where it's like it's just not needed for the the cinematic piece you do not need to over sexualize every woman on screen in order to tell a good story exactly mm -hmm. i'm good to do our final wrap-up if you guys are yeah yep regent would you like to go first 
Sure. I mean, it was a solid movie. Definitely deserves the praise and acclaim that it rightfully does. Both actors did amazing work. There's some back information about Dustin Hoffman's attitude towards autism, things like that, that if it was said in this day and age, he would have gotten scrutinized and criticized for it. But the acting in which that went towards it was well done. Tom Cruise did an amazing job. Both were defining character arcs and made a fantastic movie for its time. I think I would give this movie an eight and a half out of ten. Monster? Following a similar suit, what I think this film was one of those things where it could have been a perfect film. I do want to add another piece. So a full notch from a 10 is that I don't feel like there's enough to make me rewatch it, which is really unfortunate because for a movie that I can say is really well written, I'm just not really drawn to rewatch it. But another half notch is I do feel like if you had a edited version of the film, I believe you could show this to all ages. I feel like young people could benefit from watching something like this. I think it's a great story to tell, especially when you have someone of special needs in your family, it affects everyone. And I know that life, I have friends and other sorts of things in my own personal life. I've been friends with someone autistic for years and I remember the challenges we had and it made me think about him throughout this film. Unfortunately for the film to have to be edited to allow someone younger to watch, it's not even because of the subject matter, it's just all the editing things that didn't need to be in the film so it ultimately comes down to eight and a half for me as well i'm gonna go ahead and introduce mine with a seven out of ten reasons being is because i hate the ending the ending sucks for me it makes sense <laughs> but i hate it again the use of the r word just made me incredibly uncomfortable to the point where i considered if i didn't have to watch it for the podcast i would have turned it off if i'm just being honest here just because those slurs that are thrown around in 80s movies and even sometimes in today's movies just make me very uncomfortable when anyone uses them it's just like mm, no thank you and lastly is the fact of i don't care to watch it again like there's no drive for me to go back and re-watch it for any reason not the acting not the story or it as a movie as a whole just there's no appeal for me to go back like months to said so overall seven out of ten another 80s movie with a lot of added content that could have been taken out over sexualizing of all women on screen some slurs and a lot of language and of course a cool tough guy in the film so with that being said <laughs> summing up <laughs> 80s films apparently <laughs> i mean basically you can sum up any 80s film by over sexualizing women big tough guy sometimes bald or has really great hair and a lot of language and violence and slurs don't forget the slurs so with that munster and region thank you very much for joining me for this episode pleasure as always yeah absolutely let's do it again all right, and thank you listeners for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, a like, share, review on whichever platform you are currently listening to on would be greatly appreciated. If you did that, you'd unlock the happy ending of this episode. So go ahead and do that. Again, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Have a great day. Bye.